Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. You can see the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2. Still in our series, Pictures of Christmas. When you think of Christmas, what do you think of? What are the pictures? I got this idea from looking at Christmas cards. Pictures of Jesus in the stall, pictures of wise men on the camel, pictures of all sorts of things. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to worship. We thank you, Father, for this great nation, for our privileges of freedom and rights and all those things that we take for granted. We thank you. You have gifted us with this wonderful life that is the envy of so many. We thank you for food and blessings, for family, for good music, for warmth and safety. And especially for this life that we have in Jesus that makes all this possible, that makes it better, that helps us to be better. We thank you. Lord, this morning we come to you knowing that all over the world, Christians gather to do this very thing this morning. We ask for your presence that work in our lives. We open our hearts to you, Father. Ask that you would cleanse us of our sin. We ask that you would give us hearts of generosity towards others. We ask, Father, that you would help us to be our best selves. Lord, this morning... Our hearts are heavy because we know around the world there are people who suffer. For those in Palestine, in Israel, we pray for peace. For those in Ukraine, we pray for peace and the end of hostilities. The list of countries at war is long. Help us, Father. We pray for our elected leaders and those who have power that they might be able to work a work of peace and compromise, and treaties, and the things that can enable people to live in harmony. We pray for your spirit to work in people's lives. Help us to move past our past grievances. Help us to forgive. Help us to love. As always, we pray for our soldiers and first responders, wherever they serve. Keep them safe. Use them to save lives to calm problems, to bring peace in situations, protect them, Father, and comfort their families in their absence. As always, Father, we need your help in all ways. Help us to resist sin. Help us to resist the tendencies in this culture to gossip and backstab and hold grudges and to write off entire groups of people Help us to think with gracious hearts. This morning, Father, speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Christmas? Greenery, trees, Santa Claus, 
Tame and I are watching the, the Die Hard series, the Christmas film, you know. It's a Christmas series, you didn't probably know that, You're, with Bruce Willis and all that. Each one takes during, part during the Christmas season. We're to the third one now, and this is not Tammy's favorite Christmas series, but I like it, so we try to, I try to make her watch it with me every year. And so last night was the third one, and there weren't any Christmas scenes like in the others, but two or three times somebody mentioned Santa Claus and presents. And so we're going with that, okay? Not really the Christmas series that I would recommend. Contrast that with what happened at my house yesterday. My house our, housed our kids and my house exploded with boxes and wrapping paper and all that stuff. They opened gifts. And of course, Tammy is this wonderful Christmas Nana who wants everybody to have everything they've ever wanted. And I am the one who cringes every time I see this because instead of seeing the, the joy of children, I see dollar signs, ka-ching, 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 you know, and those kinds of things. But it was all good. I said, Tammy, you ignored all of our limits. Yes, I did. And I said, it's okay. Because it was okay. The smiles on the children's faces and all the things that were generated that day were good, made possible by generous gifts. I guess for a lot of us, Christmas is, is about gifts. Yes, it's about Jesus. He is truly the reason for this season. But for little kids, it's hard to remember that, isn't it? They like gifts and presents and wrapping paper and all those kinds of things. So I thought we'd talk about Christmas presents today and those kinds of things. And, of course, we talk about a special gift, don't we? Not things that can be put in boxes but things that can be received in the heart. Follow along with me in Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses. Read about that first Christmas gift. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard of it, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. In you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. So when we think of Christmas and Christmas gifts, the presents under the tree are the obvious gifts. But there's something greater. The gifts of Christmas. So what are these gifts of Christmas? I guess we need to remember a little bit, do a little bit of historical work. 
My wife says, be careful with this part because I can get it kind of wound up here. But the wise men were philosophers from other countries far away. And wise men were doing what scholars did. They just studied. And they studied religious writings from all sorts of different cultures. And they meant well. And they weren't Christian. And they weren't Jew. And they weren't Muslim. We don't know what they were. But they were not part of that culture. They weren't Muslim because Islam had not been invented yet. That was several hundred years later. And uh, so they were coming and they were looking for someone that was prophesied in the Hebrew writings. And they knew he would be king. And that's all they knew. So they went to Herod because Herod was in charge of the world at that time. And they wanted to find out if Herod knew where they were. So Herod got the scholars together and the Jewish leaders and determined where and when and all those kinds of things. And Herod said, listen, when you find him, you let me know and I'll go worship him too. Well, now, Herod was a liar. Herod wanted to kill that little baby because, remember, the baby was to be the king of the Jews. So, in ancient cultures, if you wanted to keep your power, you killed competing kings. And if a competing king happened to be an infant, even easier. So that's what was going on there. The Magi understood people of power. They seemed to be the same regardless of time or place. And so they went and saw Jesus and brought him gifts and those kinds of things. And then they went another way. And that's another part of the story we'll talk about later. But they took these gifts to Jesus and gave them to him. And they worshipped him and they recognized his deity. They recognized all sorts of things about Jesus and wanted people to understand that he was very special to them. Now, they weren't Christian, like I said. They were people that would worship all sorts of different religions. They would say that all religions are the same and those kinds of things. So when they worshiped here, don't be misled. They didn't become Christians and receive Jesus as Savior. But they recognized that this child was somebody special. More so than other children. And so they gave him extremely expensive gifts. He was royalty. Worthy of worship. Because it said they didn't just recognize him. They worshiped him. Worship is reserved for deity. So he was somebody special to them. So on screen are some of the gifts of Christmas that the Magi taught us about. First of all was this gift from God, which is an act of love. Read this passage of scripture with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. No one made Jesus do what he did. Again, I had this imaginary conversation in my head where I envision the eternal deity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in time before time, talking about creation, recognizing that creation would fail, that sin would be committed, that creation would be separated from God forever and would have to be destroyed. And Jesus said, wait, I can fix this. And again, this conversation goes on. And, you know, this is just how my imagination works. But in this conversation between the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a plan is laid to save humanity. Jesus said, I will go. God says, you will die. And Jesus said, I know. 
God says we love these people. This was before people lived. Before we existed. Before you were you, God loved you. Before you were a baby in your mama's arms, God loved you. Before there was Adam and Eve, God loved them. And so God decreed, all right, this is what we will do because we love them. For God so loved the world. That's what it's talking about. God knew us. And he wanted to help us. Before the fact. I watched my granddaughters and grandson grow. And they're at the age now where they're still fun. And the hormones haven't kicked in yet. So it's pretty safe to have fun with them. And all those kinds of things. You know, and there aren't too many tears that last very long. And all those kinds of things. And... We're just reveling in the joy and the laughter and the potential. Some of them are very intelligent. Some of them are musically inclined. Some of them are hilariously funny. We don't know what they're going to be like. But we love them. Now I know that somewhere along the way, they will say something mean and cruel to me and their mama and Nana probably. That's what kids do. And we know that somewhere along the way, they'll do something incredibly dumb. And they'll be in trouble. That's what kids do. And we know that some of them will fail at some things. And so already we're planning to help them. And what does that mean? I have no idea. But I will do it. If it means give them large sums of cash, okay, if I can do that, I will. If it means fix their old car, I'll do it. If it means sit through yet another endless litany of dance recitals, music concerts and things, I will do that too. Because I love them. Before the fact, it doesn't matter what it's going to be or how tedious it will be or how much it will cost me. I love them. This was the conversation that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit had. We love them. Let's prepare for them. Even before. The greatest gift of Christmas is that God loves us. He loves you. He loves those people you don't love. He loves the people that are hard to love. Probably in the next couple of days, you're going to be around some people you don't love. It's family, right? And you're going to know these people, and you remember what they said a long time ago, and you're going to have to sit across the table from them, and you don't like them. And so your prayer is that you can get through it without getting in a big fight, right? God loves them even more than you. Maybe God's love can help you love them. That's one of the greatest gifts. Not just that God loved us, but that he taught us how to love. That's a big teaching, isn't it? That you can love people who don't love you back. God loves people who hate him. God loves people who reject him. Jesus loved the people who murdered him. You don't have to depend on how you feel. You can choose to love and God can help you do that. That's a gift. One of the gifts of Christmas. Another gift is the gift of grace, which is God's favor towards us. Read this passage with me. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. It's one thing to have rules. And rules are essential because someone has to tell us what to do and how to do it. But there's more than rules, aren't there? There are things that are subtle, 
things that convey meaning and heart and things like that. The law was good at teaching rules, but the problem with all those rules is, well, rules are made to be broken, aren't they? And you know it, and so do I. Someone puts a rule in front of you, more than likely you will break that rule at some point. If not, actually you'll think about it. You'll be tempted by that. That's the way people are. And that was the failing of the law. It could tell you what was right, but it couldn't help you do it. It could teach you to avoid certain actions, but it couldn't give you the strength to resist. So in his grace, God moved through Jesus. You know what Jesus encountered when he was on the earth? He encountered these people who by the time he came along, they literally walked around with notepads, or the equivalent of that culture, and there were religious leadership taking notes about who did what, good or bad, checking a list and all those kind of things. Think evil Santa Claus, that kind of thing. And this was a miserable thing to live under because there was always someone watching, really. And God said, we're not going to do that. We're going to give them grace. Which meant, I will love them. I will act in their behalf. I will give them favor and bless them. Even when they don't do right things. So, you can look around this earth and find pretty crummy people who have been blessed by God. It's not a contradiction. That's the way God works. God blesses whom he chooses to bless. This is why people that don't deserve it get blessings from God. There are miserable people out there that have people who love them, that have all sorts of material possessions, they get good educations, that have positions of power, they're popular and well-loved. Sometimes they're athletes and musicians, sometimes they're just people out there on the street. They're really not worth much by our standards. And God loves them and blesses them. That's grace. You don't have to deserve it. It's based on God's character. One other thing, one other gift of Christmas. This story teaches us that this is a gift of great value. Read this with me, please. And they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Great gifts. A lot of people had never seen these gifts up close. Probably, Joseph and Mary had only heard about them. Too expensive to buy. Things that you and I talk about, Rolex watches perhaps, or things like that. We know what they are, but really they don't exist in our realm because we'll never have, be able to afford those things. What the Magi wanted to do was give gifts that demonstrated Christ's value. They didn't understand everything about Jesus. Whether or not they understood about the virgin birth is hard to tell. But they knew he was somebody special. Somebody above all else worshipped him as deity and gave him gifts that really were priceless. Oh, by the way, it's not that the wise men were wealthy. This was a government-funded expedition, more than likely. Where, where they came from, they were in good with the kings and the ruling class. And the ruling class wanted that new king to take care of them. So they gave them a lot of money 
for this trip. And so they took these gifts. They couldn't afford them. They were just professors. But they brought these wealthy gifts because this king had potential to change the world. Expensive gifts. And they wanted Joseph and Mary to understand that Jesus was worth this. Again, they didn't know everything, but they knew Jesus was worth it. Those were gifts of Christmas. And because the wise men understood that Jesus was somebody special, they brought those priceless gifts. Which I guess leads us to the place, how should we respond when we begin to understand who Jesus is? I mean, we talk about Jesus, we hear the story of the virgin birth, we hear the story of Joseph and Mary and the little baby. And then we understand, who is this Jesus, Son of God? God in the flesh. Messiah, the anointed one who would change everything for everybody. It's only right that he gets a great gift. Like this conversation I had with my wife last night. And we have this relationship where when it comes to spending money on the grandkids, we talk about limits and barriers and all those kinds of things. And she goes, okay. And it took me a long time to realize that I was wasting my breath. That she was going to do whatever she wanted and buy whatever she wanted. And those limits were merely things that had to be negotiated and ignored. And I used to fight this. And as the kids have gotten older, I still don't like it. But it's worth it. Because they're worth it. Their value is more than anything that a number on a piece of paper could be. So we spend a lot. It's okay. I bet you do the same with your children and grandchildren. You're nodding. I know you do. So this is what the Magi wanted to communicate. That this gift was wonderful and worth it. As the Magi knelt and worshipped King Jesus, so too should we submit our lives to him. In a very real way, they risk a lot. Maybe their lives. In fact, it's interesting that God told them, don't go back and talk to Herod. Herod, if he recognized that they thought he was king, he would probably have to kill them because they might tell somebody that the new king is there. So they knew, well, they dealt with people of power all the time. And like I said, people in great power, they're all the same. Sometimes they're more refined than others, but people in power generally like to stay in power. And in ancient cultures, the way you stayed in power was you just killed everybody who got in your way. We still do that, don't we? Leaders in power do what they can to stay in power. It's a little more refined in our culture but it's the same. The Magi were part of the system and they understood they were at risk. When they talked to Herod and they can see it in his face. Oh yeah, I want to worship this new king. And they knew Herod didn't have any intention of worshiping the new king. They knew that he would kill that baby. And probably he would kill them too. So they risk everything for Jesus. A good example for us. I 
told you that my daughter is good friends with a family who is, who are missionaries in Vietnam. And in Vietnam, it's illegal to, to talk about Christian faith. They're Christian missionaries. It's illegal there to do anything overtly Christian. They can talk about Jesus in the confines of their building only. And no Christmas ornaments or things like that. They have an orphanage. And they raised some money and bought new tennis shoes for all the kids in the orphanage. Some of them had never had shoes before. A wonderful thing. And that family is risking their lives to do that. Because with communist governments, you know, they can do whatever they want. So they're very careful. I am always challenged by the example of people who risk things for Jesus, aren't you? I mean, I'll come to church and preach about Jesus. You kind of expect that from me, right? I talk about Jesus a lot. You expect that. You'd be disappointed if I didn't. Out on the street, a little bit different. If I'm surrounded by non-Christians and people that are antagonistic toward the faith, I approach it a little bit differently. Sometimes, I'll admit, I'm a cow just a little bit, just like you. Sometimes we have to make that choice to risk things for Jesus, just like the Magi. Gifts were given to Jesus as an expression of love and devotion. That's the way it is to be for us. When you give gifts back to God, you give part of your earnings back to God's kingdom to keep the ministries going. That's an act of devotion. When you give gifts to fund missionaries and work around the world and you buy gifts to put in those little shoe boxes to take to non-Christian kids all over the world, there's a little bit of that where you give something back because you're Christian. It's not because you're nice people. I mean, you are nice people, most of you. But that's not why you do this, is it? You do this because you're Christian. Because you recognize who Jesus is and who you are in the big scheme. And God moves us to do that. And the giving of gifts that we give can be an expression of love towards others. To your grandkids, to your wife, husband, it's an act of love. It's not always very romantic or touchy-feely or anything like that. But the only time we, and the only reason we buy some things is because we love that person Terry, you always say you got to put a face on it. When we talk about people and all that, and Terry says, we got to put a face on them. What you mean is when you love people, it's easier to love them and bless them. So I guess the real message of the gifts of Christmas is, are we going to love people? And if you do love people, how will you act? When you love people, you give them gifts, Right? When you love people, you give them grace. When you love people, you help them. So, I guess the test is, this is when you're talking to yourself. Wise people do that, by the way. When you're talking to yourself, when you say, am I doing anything for people? If the answer is yes, there's probably a motive there. If the answer is no, well, maybe you don't love like God wants you to love. No shoulds and oughts, but God wants you to love people. For God so loved the world. 
By this shall others know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So God wants us to share our love with others, to give our love towards others, and give gifts to others. Sometimes food and clothing, sometimes a ride, sometimes a visit, sometimes a hug. Depending on the situation, what you have to do is decide, I love this person, what can I give them? You do that with your spouse. Sometimes we don't do very well. Years ago, I was going to give my wife a very practical gift. Man, have you ever done that? It was a stupid thing to do. She does crafty stuff. And she's always bothering and borrowing my tools, which annoyed me greatly. Because she would never bring them back. I have to hunt for them. So, one year for Christmas, I bought her a really nice toolbox. And I filled it with the kinds of tools that she would use. Because I knew what she was taking out of my toolbox. And I bought her a, a series of different gauges of wires for her crafty projects. And wire snippers and little bitty vice grips. And all the kinds of things and different colors of tapes. And it was a very nice toolbox. And I spent quite a bit of money on it. She was not impressed. For me, it was a gift that I thought she needed. And I loved her, of course. But it wasn't a gift that she understood. I still, she still has it, but she's lost all the tools. Probably threw them away in anger or something. Because she still goes out to the garage and borrows my stuff. So, I don't know what that story means, but be careful about the gifts that you give. Make sure that the gifts you give are what people need and want. Don't give them something they don't need. Don't give them something they don't want. When you give gifts to people, give things that, you know, consider their needs and what they want. And don't follow my behavior at all. Love people. Be generous when you give gifts. Nothing speaks of love like generosity, regardless of what it's like. Love people. Give gifts. God loves people. And he gives great gifts, doesn't he? Why don't you stand with me? Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of invitation. As he makes his way up here, remember we have Christmas Eve service tonight at 5.30. It'll last about 45 minutes, so you'll be able to live and go, leave and go celebrate with your family. Bring friends tonight, all right? Nate, lead us if you would. in closing prayer. Remember, tonight at 5.30, Christmas Eve service, bring friends. Bob?
Father, as we leave today, let us remember the true meaning of Christmas, your life, your love, and the joy that it brings us all. Let us go forth this week and share that life and love so that we may bring joy to ourselves and others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.